0: Hello and welcome to the Bristol and Bath Lifting Club. Mark, say something clever-sounding. Post-activation, potentiation. That sounds very scientific. Is that a thing you just made up, or is that a Googleable term?
1: That is, um, that's some Wikipedia stuff right there, man. You You stole it from Wikipedia?
0: I mean, you can. You can. You You can can. steal things from Wikipedia, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I knew a lecturer who... Because at the time, I'm pretty sure that you can still do this, but I'm not entirely sure. When Wikipedia was first starting up, they would get academics and stuff to go and check things on it. On Wikipedia? Yeah, so you create like an account and you can add things, create articles, that kind of thing. Um, If you'd created a certain amount before, then they would just let you edit things. And before a test, he would go on and he would change the wikipedia page related to whatever his subject that he taught was okay. and make it all bullshit so he could tell which students went and got everything from wikipedia and that
1: i was just about to say because you know anyone can change anything on wikipedia mm. there we
0: go post activation potentiation basically means if you're to sum it up in a very simple terms because there's some simple folk listening yeah what does it mean
1: it's the over warm-up protocol so you work up to a weight that is heavier than your working sets, and then you back down. Essentially, preparing your central nervous system to lift some pretty decent weight.
0: So basically, like when I come to find your house, mm. and I don't put the sat-nav on, mm. I know it's somewhere on the left, but I always go past the in a little bit too far and then have to turn back round. So you're going up for your warm-up sets. You're checking the lanes, Is it that one now? Is it that one? Is it? Oh wait a minute! It was that one. I've gone one too too many. One too high. I've put a slightly higher weight on than I'm actually working with. That's a really I've good got analogy. To go back down. <laughs> that's actually a really good analogy. And essentially, yeah, that's that's what it is. You're talking about doing it on purpose
1: now. <laughs> I am. I am. Yeah. Well, one would hope. One would hope you do it on purpose. Some people just mess up their warm-ups and try max every uh, every session. Are
0: you talking about the children, <laughs> junior <laughs> yeah. gym? Everything is a one-rep max.
1: Everything every is a one-rep max. One-rep max on the bench every day. But yeah, so post-activation potentiation is a really fancy term for um, essentially like a reverse pyramid sort of training scheme. So you work up to a top single or a top set and then you back down to prepare your body to lift... Um, your regular working sets. And usually you get a performance increase because you lifted heavier on that first set, your body is ready to go, um, and it's used to lifting heavy weights. So when you go down to your regular programmed-in working sets, boom, performance increase.
0: Basically, after you've done your warm-up, do one single set of maybe one at a heavier weight than you plan on working with for your working weight. So if it was a bench press and you were working with 100 kilos for your working weight, you might warm up with the bar, you might warm up with 60, then 80, and then go straight to 110, say, and then drop down to 100 for your 100 kilo working weight. That's a basic example.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Where people go wrong, though, is that it does become a training max when you don't want it to be a training max because... That can um, take a lot of energy from you
0: so it's not a one rep max yeah but it is heavier than what you exactly normally be using
1: so I like to shoot for anywhere from ninety to ninety five percent of your one rep max so it's a little bit of math for you guys so you plug in your one rep current one rep max and do like ninety to ninety five percent of it um, and that will just prepare your body. For the training to come, but make sure it's not a training max because you will accumulate some fatigue on that and you might find that when you go down to your programmed working sets, you might actually be a bit weaker because you went too hard on the old uh, max effort attempt.
0: There's two ways in which I normally explain for it to work. There's a psychological way and the physiological way. The psychological way is, oh shit, this is a really fucking heavy weight. I'd better wake up. And then when you go back to using your working weight, it actually feels a lot lighter. So mm-hmm. that's one. So you make it feel like, actually, this weight that I would normally class as my working weight, I've done something a little heavier today. So that working weight doesn't feel as scary or as difficult because mm-hmm. I know it could always be worse. The physiological aspect of that is basically what the body thinks is, oh shit. We're in for a rough ride today. We better activate and switch everything on because it kind of puts it into a crisis mode mm-hmm. with muscles, fibres, and that being activated. Normally, things just warm up and warm down. So warm up, cool down. So only the, the body only wants to use what it needs to use. But if you all of a sudden shock the system into working, your body's not going to know what's coming next. So everything activates, everything switches on. Like Red Alert on Star Trek, isn't it?
1: <laughs> I don't know man, I'm not a Trekkie I've always been a Star uh, Wars boy
0: Star Wars, I don't think they are I, They have Red Alert on Star Wars, don't they? I'm pretty sure they do
1: Maybe, what is Red Alert? Please
0: explain Red Alert is basically When you go to an alert They have a Yellow Alert, I'm not entirely sure what a Yellow <laughs> Alert is in all honesty But a red. I think Yellow Alert is more like Everyone should probably go to their desk Or their office and stop gossiping around the coffee Evasive manoeuvres okay, But okay, um yeah the uh the red alert is basically where you don't know what's going to happen but you know it is probably going to end up going bad so a red alert makes everyone alert so there's a red siren going on but also all the shields go up automatically and the weapons (laughs) come online automatically so you don't have to not push a button or nothing klingons gonna get you the klingons are coming to cling (laughs) (laughs) be clinging yeah Yeah. so yeah this sort of protocol
1: you'll see in quite a lot of power building routines um, for me, when I run it, I tend to have like a, a weekly minimum, so my, one top, my top set, my top single, would be like a weekly minimum, um, and that is something that I know I can hit no matter how I feel, whether I'm tired, hungry, whatever, I know that I can get that top single on any given day, and that's usually, usually around 90% of my one rep max, my current PR. Um and then yeah you just back the weight down and then have a have a field day on your working
0: sets. So would it be safe to say that this is something that you could probably use for most if not all of the compound lifts however you're probably not going to be using it for accessory work. Like I can't ever think about doing a shock set with an RDL. That just yeah. doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, I, I would I would do
1: one movement per workout. So let's say you're doing an upper body training session and let's say the bench press is your first movement. Just do it on that and then, um, and then back down and do your working sets. But you don't need to do it for every single exercise. Otherwise, again, you will accumulate that fatigue and you might see a performance drop. And also it becomes very mentally intense going into a workout like that where you're hitting these heavy singles on every single movement like that's hard work mentally and physically
0: i think i've only ever done it on bench press and dips actually that i Mm. can think of off the top of my head i don't think i've really used shock sets for anything else everything else just seems to either have its own progression system like i have a, a own progression system for dips But there is sometimes a shock set put in because it really does make a difference. Mm. Um, And the bench press normally has one in. I don't really use it for like overhead press or anything because I use that Bill Star thing now and that Mm. doesn't really... Everything's a fucking shock set. Yeah, yeah. Basically.
1: That's quite interesting because I also use it mostly for bench and squats. But I find that when I try and use it on deadlift, even 90-95% on the deadlift, it's like... It takes too much from my lower back. So when I drop down to my working sets, it's like going into it with, you know, a stiff lower back, which isn't cool. And with the overhead press, like it can be used and I have used it a few times, but again, because you're in that standing position, it can be quite lower back intensive, but I find that it's worked quite well on things like incline bench and maybe seated barbell overhead press. But anything where your lower back isn't going to be too compromised. I think, like, bench and squats work really well for this sort of protocol.
0: Yeah, so don't use it on the fucking lap pull down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you are going to do it on the lap pull down, my suggestion is to do it. It's not really a shock set, but it would be to do it after. Yeah. Like, I've got people to say, okay, we'll do our working weight, and then what we'll do is we'll try and stack it and then just see if you can do it. Yeah, and it's just a little bit of fun. It's not serious training most of the time, but it is a bit of fun. And it does. It's surprising actually. After people are fatigued, if they have a little break, they might be able to do a little bit more. Yeah, so it ends the the workout on a high as well. I, I really like doing that as well. So sometimes, let's say I do
1: my working sets on squats. Let's say, for example, I have three sets of five. If I have a bit more energy at the end of that three by five, then I might do a heavy single at like 85 to 95%. Mm. Or I might back the weight down further and do an AMRAP with a lighter weight. So let's say I'm doing working sets of 160 for fives. I might back it down to like 140 and just go until I can't do another rep so that's something you can also include in your routine so you don't always have to work up to a heavy weight and then back down you can also just throw in these sort of like heavy singles or amrap sets after the working set as well but
0: just realize you're going into it with some fatigue i do that with the dips and overhead press it always finishes with an amrap um sometimes i've done it with pull-ups and chin-ups and that before as well but not so much with that if I do it's normally like body weight just crack out a bunch of body weight after yeah I was about
1: to say they sort of like weighted calisthenics exercises mm. you can do your working sets with weighted and then just chuck the belt off chuck the weights down and just bang out as many as you can body weight
0: so when would someone first I'm not going to say come across it and find it out because they'll, people can find all sorts of stuff before they're ready on the internet. In fact, too much usually, which ends up confusing people. But what point would you put something like a shock set in someone's routine program or teach them it? Is there a specific time?
1: Um, I think it can be used at any sort of level, um, but for the most part, if you're a beginner, you, you don't really need to be worrying too much about this. Just mm. focus on your working sets and building your base. But once you get to like early intermediate, maybe you've been training for a year, maybe you've built a pretty good strength base, you can start throwing them in. Um, also, if you start to play around with different forms of periodization, they work really well in those sort of programs. So if you're doing like a, let's say, a power building routine and you're following like linear periodization where you start with, low weight high reps and then you progress to like um, very high weight low rep stuff Mm. when you're training that sort of accumulation phase where you're doing higher reps you can do like a shock set or a top single then before going into your rep work because that way it keeps your body used to touching heavy weights but it's only for like one rep or one set and then you go and do your rep work as part of linear periodization. So it still gives you that practice with heavy singles. Because at the end of linear periodization, you're going to be looking to max anyway. So it still gives you those touches with heavy percentages without accumulating too much
0: fatigue. See, I put it in sometimes on the bench press when people say or feel like they've hit a plateau with it. So I've got a client that I don't see that often. I only see him once every month. And he was stuck at eighty kilos, stuck mm-hmm. at eighty kilos with his working weight. And I just said, right, what we're gonna do is we're going to keep the same amount of sets, so we'll keep to four sets. We'll vary the amount of reps, so you'll do whatever reps that you can do. And then all we're gonna do, there's oh, my phone. All we're gonna do is um, before you start, after you've done your warm up, we'll just do one set of one at and then psychologically, it is the case of, okay, I have break and that 80 kilo mark. No, mm. I'm not actually just training with the 80 kilos. Because the way he talks is not just about the plateau. It's like, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm stuck at that specific number. Mm-hmm. And the number kind of gets fixated in the mind. So if you change the numbers around a little bit, like using an 85 kilo even though it's just one is not really going to do a huge amount but it is still working at a slightly heavier weight slightly different number he can feel like he's got a little bit further and then all of a sudden doing that going back to the 80 for the working weight cracked it really 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 quickly Mm -hmm. and then 85 was the new working weight and then 90 and then 95 then 100
1: yeah I really like that sort of method because it gets your body handling heavier weights. Mm. One of my favorite ways to break through like a plateau, because I have quite a lot of strategies that I use. One of them is to simply overload a movement. So let's say you're progressing in eights. You have four sets of eight as you're working weight and you're stuck. You can't get that last set of eight no matter how much you've tried. Mm. You can spend a few weeks just playing around with heavier weights. Maybe you do fives, fours or threes. And you progress in that sort of rep range for a bit. So your body gets used to the overload. And then when you go back to eights, boom, all of a sudden you're getting further along on your eights.
0: So it just gets your body used to handling heavier weight. Yeah, people can confuse it, I think, maybe with the idea of a pyramid. A pyramid's that where you're going up, you're increasing the weight, and then you're going back down again. Whereas this is just you're thinking about doing the peak of the pyramid first mm-hmm. rather than doing up, up, up down, down, you're going, okay, I'm going to go straight to the top and then I'm going to start dropping down a little bit. Yeah. But um, I think that for people that are a little bit worried, so I've trained, I've got a lady that I train who's a little bit older and she worries a bit about her shoulders and stuff when we do the dumbbell overhead press. That, I wouldn't get her to do a shock set with that. I get her to pyramid it mm. every time because she always frets even though she's she's lifted the same weight before Mm. she always panics and worries so I just say take it one set at a time but every single set needs to be at a heavier weight Mm -hmm. and then she goes up through the dumbbells and then gets to one where oh okay I could only do three there and then goes back down again yeah and that because she's used to doing that now she doesn't worry and panic about it Whereas before it was always, this is your working weight, it's going to be heavy. Oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. Yeah, you know, you ease into it and then you ease out of
1: it again. There's always going to be that mental block. Mm. We spoke about this before, but it's like uh, training anxiety. When you go into a heavy set, you're a little bit nervous. It's like, am I going to get this? Am I not going to get it? But once you get used to handling heavier weights, that does tend to pass a little bit. And then, yeah, you just get used to throwing around heavier weights. Your body adapts. And then all of a sudden, you're breaking through plateaus.
0: Second set anxiety I've got. Yeah. <laughs> second set anxiety. Overhead press and bench is second set anxiety usually is the yeah. worst. So they, they also use this method
1: in um, like the conjugate protocol as well. Ooh. So in conjugate, they tend to work up to a training max for the day. And then they'll do maybe percentage-based backdowns off of that training max. That's also what we call auto-regulation. So you're never handling more weight um, than you're able to because you're working off a percentage of what you achieved that day. So let's say you're not feeling particularly great on a certain day and you work up to, let's say, a training max, a 100 kilo bench press, and then you're doing eighty-five percent for your working sets off of a hundred, off of a hundred kilos, which would be eighty-five kilos. Um, so that's auto regulation, and that's similar to post-activation potentiation. But instead of doing a
0: heavy single, you're doing a max. Okay,
1: so it is kind of different in that respect. So don't go into the gym and start maxing out now.
0: So that's basically in one training session, is what you're saying. Yeah. Whereas most people are thinking about things often from their previous training session so often trying to beat their previous score so whatever they did last week or the last time they did the exercise they want to try and beat it whether you are talking about okay let's see what we can do in this training session today and then the rest of the work in the training session will be based percentage based off of that yeah that's which right. is interesting it would make a lovely Beautiful color-coded template. It would, wouldn't it? On one of my spreadsheets, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there is one. To be fair, but uh, if not, I'll have to check and make one. Mm. You know, I like to color-code things. You do, you do.
1: <laughs> A lot more. Um, you got the colours together more than I have.
0: It looks got to look pretty and complicated, <laughs> but also simple to read. I
1: like that. I like that. So yeah, that's that's post-activation potentiation, guys. So, Liam, have you been using post-activation potentiation?
0: Yes, but only with the bench press. Only with basically. the bench. Yeah. Um, what I'm doing at the moment is because I have my primary exercises. So, my primary exercises are from Monday's bench, Tuesday's squat, Thursday is overhead press, and Friday's deadlift. Mm. And then what I normally have, aside from the overhead press, because that's on a separate system, with all the others, I have the primary lift. And then I have a secondary type variation and then a third type of variation. So then with the bench press on the Monday, I'll do some sets on the bench and then it will be some sets of wide bench or sorry, it's pools bench at the moment. And then it will be a uh, floor press. Mm. So there's two variations of the bench, but it starts with the bench and those are all based on the percentage So with the bench press, really all I was doing was five sets of till on the last time I did it. So that was heavy. But then when I go to the pause bench, it's a percentage of the one max that I can do. And with the um, floor press, I always want to call a floor press a crock press. And it makes no (laughs) fucking sense. But (laughs) that's just what's in my mind. Um, with the with the floor press, that's also percentage. But the pause bench and the and the floor press are the same weight, so it's the same percentage. Right. Which is quite interesting to see how they both. Because mm. I do a a uh, a pause bench, and I'm like fucking, hell this is real difficult. Mm. And then I'll transition over to doing a floor press with the same weight. And even though I'm fatigued, because this is by then I'll have done ten sets.
1: Mm.
0: So on the eleventh set floor press it actually feels really easy and yeah. it's really interesting yeah just seeing the difference between the the um locking portion and then the bottom portion
1: i really like the floor press i've been using the floor press for years even mm-hmm. before i owned a bench i was doing dumbbell floor press
0: well they did that before bench press was invented didn't they, they? they did
1: they did yeah. a lot of people don't know that but the floor press is an awesome exercise, guys. It cuts down the range of motion ever so slightly. So for you long-limbed benches, it's, it actually kind of evens the playing field for you guys. But for most people, um, it'll cut down the range of motion by a few inches, which means you're working at that sticking point from about midsection to lockout. So it's really good for strengthening the triceps. Highly recommend it.
0: Well, you know there is a special way of doing it which our Dave does, the old man that comes in. He does it on the bench press and just decides <laughs> to go down and half rep it. Is that kind of like a lying floor press on the bench press I or is that just bullshit? It
1: actually has its own name. So I think that's referred to as a spoto press. Right. By I think it was it was invented by a really strong bench presser called Eric Spoto and he goes down halfway and impresses but he does it for a very specific reason whereas i think what these people are trying to do is ego lift and get more out more out of the you know more out of the set by using weights they can't really handle And then some people try to disguise their ego lifting by saying, oh, but this is safer on the shoulders, only going down
0: halfway. Bullshit. When actually it's a lot worse for the shoulder. Right, so you know for a fact, right, I can tell you this. Like I can tell you people that can't squat because they put their shoes with little foam things on the bar, right? Because they're (laughs) holding it in the wrong place, which is on their neck, right? Same thing with the bench press. If you see someone do a partial range of motion on the bench press, if you do it properly and you are training for a partial range of motion, then what you have to do is actually put a block on your chest Mm. because it gives you a frame of reference point and that's how the proper strength coaches actually do it. We have some some yoga blocks and stuff, so they're just kind of like very compact, hard foam, Mm. so it won't hurt your chest or anything like that, but you just balance it on there and then you go down to the same reference point, Mm -hmm. which is if you're training that. I normally only do that for people which do have some sort of shoulder injury. So like our friend Harry... Mm. who couldn't actually, when he was doing the bench press, say that he can touch the bar to his chest because his shoulders were too fucked to do it. Right. Which we started working, or he started working on, trying to go lower and lower and lower and lower, and now he can do a bench press fine. I think he does a lot more Larson press there, to be fair. But, um, yeah, with things like that, you would normally use some sort of block. So if they're not using a block, they're basically just fucking (laughs) half-wrapping. Yeah, exactly. So
1: a lot of strength coaches use those blocks and you can buy them from like a strength shop actually. And they attach to the bar and mm. there's like different, um, sort of links that you can attach the block to the bar because They have different grooves in the, in the pad. So you can pull it exactly where you want it for your own individual sticking points, which we spoke about before. But a lot of like old school strength coaches will use like boards. So they call it a board press. Yeah. You might do a, yeah. a single board, a double board or like a triple board press and that, again, is to strengthen the lockout of the bench. It's very specific. So I would rather people do that or do like a pin press to set the pins at the midway point than try and do these like half reps.
0: I'd personally rather people do a floor press because then you can get the fuck off the bench press <laughs> yeah. and let someone else use it properly. <laughs> That's so true, actually. <laughs> yeah, just gonna do a floor press.
1: Uh, floor press will pretty much do all the same as what we just spoke about. Um, but you won't acquire any extra equipment. The floor is your equipment.
0: Yeah, and you won't be in someone's way.
1: And you won't be in someone's way. Unless they're trying to squat, and then, you know, you might get a few loads. Well,
0: no, because I do it with the um, those Reebok steps.
1: Those oh, Reebok yeah, yeah, steps, yeah, I do it with the
0: Reebok steps, because yeah. when you flip the red things out, the stilts, mm. yeah. they're actually at the same height. Yeah. So you uh, can do it from there. I get people to do it from there. The only danger is that when you get past a certain weight, if you are doing it where the, the bar rests in the middle of the, the Reebok step, it really does bow. It does, And it looks yeah. like it's going to snap. And um, so also- Don't do it there. Do it like near the stilt. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot safer. The plastic's just- No, it plastic. actually does. You can yeah. see it drop down. So you either need to put something underneath, put some blocks underneath, or I normally just do it near the edge of yeah. it, because that's where it's stronger.
1: Fair. There we go. Structural integrity is very important.
0: Yeah. And also,
1: if you're floor pressing, one of the dangers that can happen for all you sort of like touch and go bench presses or use momentum is that if you do that, you're going to just smash your wrist to pieces. So make sure when you're on the lowering phase of the floor press, gentle touch with the triceps to the floor. Make sure your wrist is stacked and then press it. Don't try and rebound it off the floor otherwise yeah. you will screw your wrist.
0: I do it like a bodybuilder. So yeah. I do it slow. Yeah. And it's always the constant tension as well then yeah which is nice it actually feels very very different you feel a lot stronger doing that Mm -hmm. because comparing it to the same weight that you do it with it's like a um a pause bench which is what i was doing in my current training program it's like wow this feels really horrible when you're stuck in the bottom position yeah but with this as soon as i go over and i know i can do it but as soon as i go over i'm like fucking hell this is gonna be really difficult because i've got to like do it really slow but actually it goes very very smoothly
1: yeah I, I had a client who was so used to just kind of like rebounding the bar off his chest, mm. you know, which you know, we've dealt with now. But he was so used to doing that that when he transitioned the floor press, I was like, man, you're going to have to slow that bar down or yeah. just, you're going to pop a wrist.
0: And you've only got two. Till- <laughs> you've only got two. Well, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, yeah, some people haven't. They've just got a stump.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, gosh.
0: So, yeah, there we go, guys. There's some uh, bench training
1: tips for you. Um, What should we get into next? We were going to talk about minimal training. I was going
0: to say, we've overcomplicated things for Mm. some. If they're taking this on board, then people might be able to find a use for what we've spoken about. Mm. But at the same time, there could be people listening that are just wanting to do something a little bit different yeah. when this their second or third week in the gym and they've never trained before, <laughs> in which case it's probably not a very good idea. Right. Maybe just stick to the basics. But what about something that we are, or haven't really covered before, which isn't just there's this term minimal training, mm. which the idea is, well, so I guess the minimum I can do and still make progress. What I'd like to talk about is what we were talking about before, which is if you are someone with some experience and you have a proper programming knowledge and you follow proper programs, how and why and when would you start to reduce Mm. your program, make your program more simple? Because a lot of advanced programs seem to be they can appear quite complicated because there's lots of variations of things there's lots of like wave loading you've got a workout like okay what's the sets what's the reps today it's not just oh I've got to do a little bit more than what I did last time yeah but how does one reduce it and when would one want to do that well I'm currently following a quote-unquote minimalist program
1: right now and we were talking about this earlier and it's simply because my competition season in powerlifting and strongman has come to an end And I've just lost, I wouldn't say motivation to train, but just motivation to do as much as I was doing. So I'm following quite a basic routine at the moment where I used to do anywhere from six to seven exercises per session. And now I'm doing three or four exercises per session. Sometimes I need two. So that is in itself quite a minimalist routine, but I'm still progressing on the things that i am doing so i'm still making progress i've just cut down my exercise selection by a fair amount and so i start ramping it up again and i think like as long as you understand how the program and how to kind of program for progression even on a few movements over time i think you i think you can get away away with it especially if you again if you've built a really strong strength base you can get away with breaking some of the rules a little bit But I wouldn't kind of implement minimalist training. All right, guys, that's it for the regular edition. Come and join us on the extended edition, the Patreon, where we get into all sorts of programming and discussion. See you over there.